Hey guys, Pastor Matt Chandler here. Uh, one of the themes that comes out in The Overcomers over and over and over again is the centrality of God's word to encourage and build up his saints. It's why I love uh, Dwell Bible app. It's an app for listening. Uh, I, I kind of use it in the margins of my day. I like to listen to, depending on my mood, uh, Mark or Felix throw on some ambient music and then in my truck or in my study or uh, in a few minutes between this meeting going into that, soak again in the word of God. Uh, they, they've given us kind of an awesome deal here for a yearly subscription. If you go to dwellbible.com backslash overcomers, they're giving us 25% off an annual subscription. So if you're looking for more Bible in your life, in the margins of your life, not just kind of traditionally listening, but listening while you work, listening while you drive. I couldn't recommend the Dwell Bible app more highly. The language was really specific too, um, because I would have, I would have a fearful thought: What if my daughter fell down these stairs? What if my bio dad came back into my life? And I would hear, "That's okay. You would kill yourself." The distance in between those thoughts became shorter and shorter and shorter until it was: I need someone with me at all times, watching me and my daughter. Hi, and welcome back to The Overcomers. This is Pastor Matt Chandler uh, here with a couple of friends today, um, Logan and Katie Thompson. And um, I want to remind you of really what the podcast is about. Really the heart behind The Overcomers is I just wanted to sit down with ordinary men and women, uh, no blue check Christians, no capes, no silver bullet, all the struggles out of my life once I met Jesus, and just tell the true, honest, grimy story of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ on the long journey home. And, and so I'm, I'm excited to introduce Logan and Katie to you. They actually met here at the village as interns, like had to have the meeting with HR where you go and you're like, hey, I think she's cute. I think uh, hey, he's cute. And, and then here we are. It's kind of our own little Jim and Pam thing here at the right. village. I saw Beautiful. pictures of the babies. So they're amazing. Way, way to go. Way to go. Shout Logan. out to the Lord. Yeah. We're grateful. I was a small <laughs> contributor. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's always true. That's <laughs> always true. So I want to dive in. Before, if you're listening, I do want you to know this there's some really heavy aspects um, to this testimony. I think there will almost always be in this podcast, but just feel uh, specifically about this one. Um, there's, um, and, and I don't know the details of everything we'll share, but it, you know, there there is, you know, a family of origin situation that's barely dark. There's a sexual abuse. There's some mental illness and PTSD. There's um, needing to go to rehab. There, there There's a lot, there's demonization, which uh, I know uh, will, will be interesting when we get to that. So there, there's, there's some wild, really hard stuff in here. And so just if you're, man, if any of that that I just said could be, um, could send you spiraling, 
uh, I would just want you to be in a safe place to do that. And so maybe this is one of those where you you go to a different episode and tell your uh, home in a safe place, and then you can listen to that. Or yeah, if you're on the treadmill right now, maybe this isn't the one for you. If something I just said uh, could be something that sent you spiraling, and you'll you'll you either know what I'm talking about right now, or you will yeah. know uh, as we dive in. But just wanted to set this one up uh, like that because. Man, there have been some significant hardships and, and pains, um, Katie, uh, especially for you. And then Logan enters in, and he actually enters into that sorrow with you in a really beautiful way. Uh, and so we'll we'll get to that. But Katie, let me let me start with you. Why don't you set up our time together now? And so you can start if you you can start wherever you want, uh, and we'll just go from there. But why don't you set up our time uh, as we think about uh, Katie and Logan, the overcomers? Yeah. So I think to understand the suffering that we went through together. Yeah, you have to look back at the beginning of my story, which is that I did not grow up in a safe home. I had a dad who was really aggressive, and that came out in um, verbal ways, in physical ways, and really it just created um, an environment where you didn't know what was um, what you were going to walk into. And that's, I mean, I remember being two, three, realizing that my role was not to be a kid, but was twofold. One, to not show how scared I was. And then two, to protect my brother. And I have, um, yeah, I have a twin brother and I was, I am eight and a half minutes older than him. Cool. And that didn't- She will remind you of that. Constantly. But th- that age difference that by those minutes just did not mean a thing um, because someone had to be his protector and that was going to be me. And so I needed to be strong for him and to put on this face that I was okay. And that's, I mean, that's it too. I think of my two-year-old, my three-year-old. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, that's not really what you should be worrying about at no. all. No, and it, that, so you've, I can already tell, and we'll talk probably more about this later, but you've already done some work because most people have no idea how old they were when they realized, oh, this is where I started operating like that. And it actually became the the modus operandi uh, for yeah. a large chunk of my life that led to all sorts of other things. But I had no idea it was tied back to that. For sure. So it's fascinating that you're two or three. Like I, if I think about my own story, I'm, I think I was eight or nine when I figured out, oh, I can control this environment and I need to. Yeah. And I need to control it with my humor and my mm. charisma. And I need, and then I, I become the hero or the fixer until I'm in my late 30s and resent that I'm always having tried to fix it. And no one's really asking me to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I've got to do it for you. And now I, I, you bother me because I have to. So it's it's fascinating that you were that young. So, yeah, I can imagine how hostile yeah. that environment might have been. So it was scary. And my dad was a, I mean, he was a big, big guy, bodybuilder, really physically intimidating. Um, and so, yeah, I knew that I, when things started to get dangerous, I needed to take my brother into another room, turn on a show, turn it up, make him laugh um, so that he didn't hear and experience what was going on. And then other times being a physical shield um, when my dad would. Was the aggression that you were hiding him from and hiding yourself from in a way, was that towards your mom? Was that? I'm not, that I don't have a ton of clarity on. I know there was like the anger was released towards my mom sometimes, but sometimes it was just, I need to punch a hole in the wall. Okay. I'm going to scream. I'm going to, uh, I think that he tried to gain power over us by getting in our face, by making us fear. Intimidation. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Physical intimidation. So, um, it was really towards anyone okay. that was close by. 
And this was, I mean, this is your whole upbringing. Then if it starts when you're two and three and. Yeah. And then, so it's around six, um, my parents divorced, um, which was a good right thing to do in that, to, to get us away, but still legally had to spend every other Wednesday and weekend with him. So, um, that's a lot of time to spend with a dangerous, uh, man. And so my life sort of moved into this like cyclical pattern where I would be with my mom and be safe and still operating in my role of showing that I'm not scared, pretending I don't hear my mom crying in the next room, taking care of my brother. And then the impending dread of I'm about to be taken back to this place. Um, but, but mom was stable. It was mom a stable, stable environment. She's a, a sweet, um, sweet, sweet woman. Sweet, sweet uh, woman just trying to single mom of three take care of her kids as a teacher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just um, we kept going. My mom would get remarried. There would be some more stability, but really more just like polarization of what my life looked sure. like in these two different places. And yeah, I would go on to just be aware of the aching emptiness inside of me of not being able to be a kid, having to um, be a physical protector, having to endure really horror is what I say is that was what my life was as a child was just experiencing the horror of this can't be what's happening. Um, Because when I, when I was sent to my dad's, I didn't know where we were going to sleep that night. Who's going to be there? Is my dad going to be there when I wake up? What kind of um, violence or volatile environment am I going to experience? And how am I already as a kid going to prepare for that so that I can make sure that this little boy gets to be a little boy? Yeah. Um, Tell me about your external world, like in that elementary school. Are you into sports? Are you artistic? Are you... None of that. Are you? Were you something else? Um, I was like Little Miss Perfect. Like I just was so confident, was so peppy, was like, <laughs> life of the party. Well, yeah. I mean, even man, I think that's how I first experienced you when yeah. I saw you. Yeah. Like literally, that's how I first. I'm like, oh my gosh, I like this this group of interns. Yeah. I mean, I was. I wanted the microphone. Yeah, you did. And I got it. <laughs> yeah, you it. did. I got That's it. Had some things to say. Yeah, yeah the spotlight is yeah. something she finds Ooh. warm and comforting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but underneath that peppy, kind of vibrant, glowy persona was what? Was just terror of, yeah. I mean, I just, I think it was just shock. I can't believe that this is what I'm experiencing. Yeah. How do I fix this for my brother? And because I, I, as twins, we, we kind of took it in two opposite directions. I was experiencing the terror and suppressing it to be strong. And he just crumbled underneath it. Even from as a little kid, I remember him walking around at five, just like crying that he wanted to die. Um, and that would go on to be part of our story later. But yeah, it was, I mean, you, you would look at two of us and not think that we came from the same home. And then you're does his kind of um, even early on suicidal ideation up the pressure on you to yeah. defend and protect and and really, really mother? Yes. I mean, I was the one, I mean, if you can imagine a six-year-old bathing a six-year-old, putting them in bed, re- like singing them to sleep, taking care of them in the middle of the night, that was... How, how much of that came home with you to moms? Not much. I mean, okay. I 
I wanted to be his best friend when we were at mom's. Like I just wanted yeah. to be buddies. Um, and then my mom got to to play the mom role there. So okay. there was a little bit of a, yeah. Okay. All right. So we're, we're getting into middle school, high school. You got vibrant, life of the party, give me the mic, Katie yes. in force. And, yes. and talk a little bit about kind of as you're getting older, whether that's the home dynamic or the school dynamic, however you want to tell your story today. Yeah. So I, I knew that I had this aching emptiness inside of me because I'm not getting to be a kid. I am longing for someone to sit me down, look me in the eye and tell me that they love me yeah. and to tell me that I have worth. Because so far, this mindset that has been built up for me and that I'm living in is that I am worthless, and that's why I'm being treated this way. That was just the simple math of my life. And so I was I had realized, okay, I am worthless. The only way that I'm going to get this love is if I perform, yeah. is if I trick you into this. And so I was going to be the prettiest girl in the room. I was going to be the skinniest. I was going to be the most entertaining the most promiscuous. I didn't care how I got it. And I didn't care if it it really stayed. I had no expectation yeah. that any affection was going to stay. I just needed it in whatever way I could get it. And so that looked like just more emptiness than I... So you hit the party scene pretty hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there, I mean... You're like, what, 14? I mean, what party scene? I mean, yeah. Thankfully, not, thankfully yeah. not crazy In South Lake, yeah. Texas. Oh, that's true. Um, it was uh, less party scene and more of showing up at Town Square and desperately trying to have a guy go to a movie with me and not really caring what happened if okay. I got his affection. Okay. And then from there, my mom and my stepdad would send me to a Christian school, hoping that it would fix Okay, that um, was the play. I was wondering. My behavior. Yeah. And it did not. Well, Christian schools aren't great at fixing behavior from no. my what I've been able to see. No. What I've been able to see, especially if it's kind of like just drop your kid off and we've got chapel. Yes, and it was a very strange dynamic. And I've talked to talked to friends since then from different Christian schools, and it all sort of plays out like this: the cool kids are the Christians, the proclaiming, professing Christians, and the outcasts are the bad kids, which is the inverted opposite. from a public school yeah. situation. And so I was not a Christian. So I was an outcast. I had two friends and I was told on the way to chapel that I was going to hell. But then that person would make out with me at a party later. It was just this bizarre hypocrisy. And I I did not want to add to my list of people that I needed to please and perform for. Yeah. Why would I add your God to my list if he's really not going to do much for me? Man, that's a word right there, Katie. So um, yeah. And my second year there, there's no progress. If anything, I'm declining in behavior, if that's how you want to measure things. But um, a Christian guy and a Christian girl who were cool um, became my friend, and they made me feel like I belonged before I believed or behaved. And that was that is what the Lord used. That's powerful. That was his in. And mm -hmm. so it got me to this point where my life was unstable, but I had managed it since I was two. Yeah. Like I had a handle on things. And I get to this point where I'm like, God, okay, if you're real, can you fill me up? Because this emptiness is now just, it's too much for me to keep going. And I stood up not really expecting much, but in standing up, God radically changed me. Yeah. So you were you in like 
high school chapel? Were you we, like when, where did where were you standing? We were at high school retreat. Let's go. Camp hey, High has lasted listen, thirteen years. Listen, come that, on, that's baby. me. That's me. Hey, Camp High's lasted thirty come over on, on this side on. of the table. Jesus Say grabbed me that louder. Thursday night. Come on, that cry Thursday night. night got me. Cry night got me. It'll get you. The, you the first it. year I went, I was just like praying with girls down front and trying to get digits. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. when he really got me, then I, here I am. I mean, yeah. thirty years later, and I'm still praise the Lord. More in love than ever, maybe. So more eager to see him face-to-face than ever. I, I mean, want that. Yeah. Well, that's what we're doing. One day at a time. <laughs> yeah. One day at a time. So I stood up and was just, oh, my word. Like, my, it, And when you hear about, like, Paul, like, scales falling off his eyes, it was like God had literally given me new eyes. And where there was no hope, I suddenly saw it all around me. And so I came home from that retreat, and I'm like, who is God? Because he just changed my life. I need to know who he is. So I found this Bible that I'd gotten in the third grade, probably like <laughs> hadn't had never opened it, and just began searching for God. Who are you? And I could not believe that this is the God that I had stumbled into. And I, I want to like I, I know the purpose of the podcast, but I just want to stop for a second and just highlight for you theology nerds, which is a good right thing to be. Yeah. That here is a heart being opened to love Jesus really has no really idea or concept other than maybe what she's picked up in high school chapel yeah. <laughs> uh, of who he is. And and then she goes to search. And so I just like to highlight little things like the the Lord's funny like that. It, it's not, it's not always that you get all the answers before it's like he opens up and then, and then you discover. Yeah. And I think if we're honest, that's probably most of our stories where you're, yeah. you spend the rest of your life discovering and yeah. he spends the rest of your life revealing. So, yeah. so cool. Okay, so stood up, Holy Ghost. Yeah. Who's this God? Studying a Bible you you got as a third grader. Yeah. And then keep keep telling us the story. Yeah. So I again, I'm just devouring the Bible. Yeah. I'm like, point. who? Are you serious? This is the God. Like, okay, yeah, I want you. Um, and there was like no question of do I follow him? I was like, he's real. He literally just changed all of me. So I'm going to follow him, whatever that looks like. Um, and within just a couple of weeks of that life-changing, eternity-changing, beautiful moment, um, my unstable life just shattered on the floor. Everything that I had been able to— Duct tape together. Yeah. yeah uh, no longer I could duct tape. Okay. And that was um, my dad who had— been through a number of marriages and poor decisions and drug addiction and sex addiction uh, ended in uh, him becoming homeless when I was 16. Um, And again, right at that same time, my twin, uh, the torment that we had experienced for 16 years uh, turned inward in a way that really couldn't... um, be duct taped anymore. Okay. And so my role as caring for him took on new meaning. Yeah. And so that was every night worrying, is Cody going to be alive in the morning? Okay. And this is while you're at your mom's too now. This is oh, yeah. wherever we well, are. Well, since my dad is homeless at this point, yeah. you don't have to go. That's right. So um, that was a relief. So bizarre to say. It was a relief in that I don't have to be driven somewhere yeah. Um, yeah. unsafe anymore. Yeah. But then it was... Does he have a place to sleep tonight? Yeah. D- does my dad have food to eat? Is and, he in and jail? And how are you? How are you trying to manage that as a sixteen-year-old from your mom's house? Um, I am. I'm still trying to care for my dad at this point, and so I'm 
sending him money, if not having it taken from me by him. I am lending him my car. I'm picking him up. Okay. I'm helping him find buses. Um, it's it's a lot of, honestly, like it was me in my closet weeping on the floor to God, being like, I can't take care of this man. I, phys- I would if I could. Yeah. I I can't be there physically right now. Can you take care of him? And also, is he alive? Like, what's, is he okay? Because I, I don't have answers right now. Um, and then the same with my brother. It's like, it, my whole life's aim is to care for this boy. And this boy is now actively trying to not be alive. Yeah. Um, and so that was, I mean, me going to school, pretending like I'm worried about prom, pretending like I'm worried about math, just like everybody else, and then going home and experiencing really the terror of where's Cody? Yeah. Who's taking care of him? Is Jeff around? And Jeff's your stepfather? Uh, Jeff, sorry. Jeff is my, my bio I, uh, dad. Oh, okay. I do mix okay. those up. How are you, like, are you stalking your brother? Like, how does, what does it look <laughs> like? To, I mean, again, I'm just trying to get, yeah. like, what does it look, I know your internal life is one of constant anxiety for him, but like you, He's he's at school with you, or he didn't have to go to the Christian. So school? So he did. He did go to the Christian school for a time. Okay, that didn't last super long. It was not a good experience. Yeah, it wasn't a good experience. Like I guess that the hypocrisy yeah. um, did not help him well in that season, and so that looked like. I mean, he please hear this. He hated me with a burning passion in this season. Okay. Um, so if yeah, my aim was to around. keep you're... him alive, <laughs> and his was the opposite. Yeah, I was I can getting see how in his that would way. Put, yeah, put you at odds. And so. Um, and he was, he was mad and he didn't know where to, where to aim his anger. He's been abused and neglected and experienced horrific things. And no one in the family has acknowledged it. We are acting like it has never happened. Invite the drug addict into the home for Christmas. Of course, we're a family. Yeah. Like this is, and so there's this like, I'm crazy, right? Like I'm crazy. I mean, it's a true broken system. Like, and everybody's bringing their part. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I mean, I did I did follow him around. I made sure that, like, sneaking his phone, checking texts, waiting outside his door at night. I mean, I sound like a total weirdo. I just wanted to keep him alive. <laughs> you had noble goals. I just yeah, wanted so, him alive. For sure. And you did what – I mean, it doesn't make sense for a three-year-old to put a three-year-old to bed. But No. So, I was just working with a broken system I had. Yeah. And so, now – you you know Jesus yeah devouring the bible yeah and then you would think man we'd start the long upward to the right trajectory and yet you mm. you come to know Jesus you're devouring the bible i mean just like oh my gosh this is it i love this yeah reading it memorizing it reading it again mm-hmm. and then the world starts to unravel yeah and so what what happens now in, both in your relationship with the lord but also in your outer world I'd say for my outer world, I'm at this Christian school. I love Jesus. I'm trying to find people to help me figure out what that looks like. And I would have two different instances where two proclaiming Christian young men sexually assault me and where the school just says, you shouldn't have done that to me. Like you should have. Oh gosh. And we're gonna hide this. We're gonna tell you not to press charges. 
because their dad's a really big donor. And so um, of like, you're right, I'm worthless. I thank you, this does fit into my worldview. I am worthless and I should be treated this way. And so it's just, it's this weird dichotomy of, I understand that God loves me and has taken me in. And yet there's this pattern of, okay, there really is no trustworthy, stable or safe person for me. It's just the Lord, which praise God, because what I had seen modeled in my family is when you hit rock bottom, you choose drugs, you choose alcohol, you choose self-harm and suicide. Those are the tools that I have to cope with what I'm dealing with. And then right before rock bottom, the Lord steps in and gives me himself Come on, and gives me his word. And so my relationship with him was fire. It was beautiful (laughs) because you get to know God really well, really fast when you begin a relationship with him and it is like suffering is all consuming. And so it was weeping in my closet, talking with him, praying, writing, and just memorizing the Bible. And I'm like, okay, who are you? Yep. I'm going to cling to this Mm -hmm. because this has to be more real than what I'm looking at today. Yeah. Hey, I like I'm so sorry. Just what a what a trash thing. Uh, and I and I pray for all that's happening in the current moment that's awful. That maybe one of the things that's right is we're getting better at that story. Mm. Uh, hopefully, not being as common. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I, I hate that for you. I mean, I love you. I hate all all of this for you. Uh, but especially that since we first talked about it, it's just always. Because it just provokes every protective, want to punch the devil in the face <laughs> instinct that I have as a man and a dad. And a, yeah. um, anyway, so I'm so sorry. Thank you. And so you're clinging to the Lord. Yeah. It like it it doesn't go up and to the right. It goes down and to the left. Way worse. Shatters. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say now duct tape's not holding anything anymore. It seems like. Every place but the Lord yeah. is getting significantly worse, not better. Yeah. And it's, again, I had mentioned like that culture in my family of just don't tell anyone. And also don't tell anyone and also don't acknowledge. We're not going to talk about it. We will be in a room where someone is being abused. We will leave that room and never mention it again. In fact, we're going to invite that abuser back in and have him over for a, a movie. Because family. Because family. One of the one of the ways we're able to bring these stories to you is by partnering with organizations that I've grown to trust and appreciate and love over the last couple of years. Uh, Dwell the Dwell Bible app. If you followed my ministry, you know I've mentioned it before. It's just one of my favorite tools, like in my own devotional life, in my own study life, uh, to find more ways um, to hear the Word of God, to absorb the Word of God, to have the Word of God top of mind for me. Uh, and so I've used it devotionally. Uh, I've used it in regards to just, uh, I'm, I'm currently studying the book of Daniel. And so all day today, I've had the, the Daniel read by Mark with ambient music in the background playing on my phone in my truck uh, as I, you know, uh, walked outside a little bit earlier this morning, just finding ways um, to have the Word of God um, absorbing into my system. And, and the, the design, the, the beauty of the app, uh, the various kinds of music that can play 
under, uh, the accents that can go to. There are so many aspects of the app that could serve to stir your affections for Jesus, depending on preference and desire. Dwell is offering listeners of The Overcomers 25% off a yearly subscription. All you have to do is visit dwellbible.com backslash overcomers, or you can click the link in the show notes to receive the discount. Hey, this episode of The Overcomers has been sponsored by the Acts 29 Church Planning Network with an invitation to our 2024 Next Conference here in April in Dallas, Texas. I'm going to be speaking alongside of a a stellar lineup. You're like, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, We've got Brian Loritz and Sam Alberry, John Piper, and more. Uh, And the hope of the Next Conference is really what we're trying to do is equip and encourage you as church planters and church leaders, really regardless of the type of church or type of ministry that you're in. And I would love to see you there. To learn more about this and to register for Next, you can just go to acts29.com backslash next. And if you're an Overcomer listener, you're going to have a a special discount, like $20 off registration if you use the code OVERCOMERS. And so you can apply this discount to the early bird prices before December 31st or the regular rates that start in 2024. That's axe29.com slash next. Look forward to seeing you there. Now, I do want to know this because I, because I've seen this and actually did this for quite a while in my own journey was, um, did you, the kind of everything's on fire, but Katie's bubbly and give me the mic. Did you, were you bringing some of that into your Christian faith too, where you, you had learned to pretend not just in the secular world, but then even as you become a Christian and you're at this Christian school and are you learning to perform that way? even then? No. I mean, I think like a weird quirk about me that my family truly dislikes is that I love to be really honest in some ways. So in the sense of like, my life is on fire. I couldn't say that about um, my brother. I couldn't say that about my dad. But the areas that I could say it about, that was me. Oh, I'm going to tell everyone. And so we joke with... um, one of our best friends on staff at um, Northway Dallas um, of like, he'll be like, hey, Katie, how are you? And I'm like, you know what? I'm super frustrated with my stepdad for talking to me about this. And then I process with the Lord. And so. Um, and he was like, oh, I, no, I was, I was oh, just no. meeting like briefly. How yeah, are yeah. you? You're good? Okay, good. <laughs> um, and so I think at that time I could, I was like, man, I was honest with God. This is how I'm feeling. I am, I am in the pits and I need you to be here for me. And he was. And so I would tell everyone, okay. like, hey, like, I'm walking through hard stuff. I wouldn't give them examples. And they're 17. They don't want to ask, yeah. right? So yeah. it was really vulnerable. And then I get to hide away in college. I go to the University of Oklahoma. Okay. And I am just far enough away where I don't hear the day-to-day horrors that are happening at home. I get to hide a little. You get you get pulled back and you get roped in for the big sure. ones. But I miss the day-to-day. And so I got to go to college, and I told my story to everyone. No one was there to censor me. Okay. Um, and I just got to tell of how good God was to rescue me out of that and to walk with me through it. And yeah. then where— 
so you go to OU, so you're in Norman, Oklahoma now, uh-huh. which is, what, five hours, four hours north of us? If only two or three. Oh, it's only two or three. Yeah. That's it, I, We said in episode one, I'm more the message version of the Bible, where Lauren's <laughs> kind of New American Standard. If she was here, she would have said two or three, but I'm, you know, what is it, four or five? Yeah. So, but what about your brother? Does your brother go with you? Does he, doesn't He does, does he a couple stay? things. Okay. So he, he went a couple different places, um, ended up in Utah. Okay. But yeah, again, he still he still deeply hates me at this point. Okay, really strongly, which is hard when you're still yeah. actively trying to. And were you still doing that in Norman? Were you at OU and still trying to somewhat manage him? Um, I I kept tabs on him okay. and was just more prayer and annoyingly reaching out with, "Hey, okay. I'm I was just encouraged by this verse. Praying for you. Yeah, yeah. Please be alive. Okay. Um, yeah. So. I got there and I got to just run and be around healthy, Jesus-loving people. Come on, I love that. It was— Sweet season. I mean, it's going to get better, but sure. it was it was glory. And I get there and God's like, hey, because I'm, I'm walking around campus and I hear, just overhear people talking about their nights and girls being like, I woke up in a poncho. I don't know whose house I was at. Isn't that funny? And I'm just weeping on my way to class yeah. because I know that girl. I am that girl. I was that girl. Pretending that your your emptiness and your deep ache inside is funny yeah. when you talk about it to other people, but inside it's crushing you. Yeah. And of like, God, can you pull her out like you did to me? Yeah. And so I was like, what's evangelism? Can I tell people about this? Can they also join me in this? Yeah. And so that was my whole college career was I just want to Sharing spend the gospel all with... day on campus telling okay. everyone about Jesus. I love that. And then getting close to you coming yeah. here, getting close We're to getting meeting you. Yeah. Yeah. So you graduate from OU. I graduate from OU. I come back to South Lake, Texas because I want to help start up Young Life. Uh, I feel like God is calling me to help with revival in South Lake in the high schools. And um, yeah, and it just like a recap of all the story. There's, there's the trauma. There's the abuse. There's um, a lot of horrific things. And then you get to me graduating college, I come home and I go through a really a really bad breakup of this long-term boyfriend that I had. And that was the thing. And that's in my pride. I'm so frustrated. That was the thing that <laughs> come broke on, me. That? That, I, I mean, yeah, I wish it wasn't that, but it was that. And so I was like, hang on, God. I thought we had a, a good thing going. Yeah, I'm, I'm serving you like I'm telling all these girls about Jesus. I have Jesus. reached Don't... my quota for suffering. Yeah. I have I have my testimony. Thank yeah. you. And also I've told you not to touch this. Yeah. <laughs> like and I had seen God do the miraculous. I had seen him move mountains. Yeah. And he he wouldn't do that for this. Yeah. He wouldn't save this relationship, this like good, stable thing that I thought I had, that I was owed. Yeah. He took my view of God just crumbled on the floor. And I was like, okay, who are you? Because I thought I knew who you were. I thought I experienced you these seven years. And now I really don't know who you are. Um, and in that, in the crying out to God of like, who are you? Are you good? Do I keep going? I just, the desire of I need to know who he is. Again, sort of like when I first came to know him, like, I need to know who this God is and I yeah. so that I can respond to him rightly. And that's what I told um, the pastor who was interviewing me to be his intern at the okay. at the village in Dallas. Okay. Um, so what's your theology? I said, I don't know. It's in pieces on the ground. Can you help me with it? <laughs> um, 
and maybe foolishly, he said yes. And so he um, brought me on as an intern. Give me a first name. Matt. Oh, okay. I'm with you. Just the best. Come on. Yep. Gift from the Lord. Yeah. yeah 100%. Well, and this is our thing. Like we, we've said from day, like it's okay to not be okay here. Yes. It's, and I, I, I need the, I need the griminess of this story or I don't want to play. Yeah. Because it feels disingenuous. You you clean this up too much. You you get to Laodicea and I'm like, I'm out, man. I'm not. Or you get to Ephesus and I'm I'm just out. I I, I there, there's no one I know that that doesn't have some grime and hurt and discombobulation and 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 so let let's do that together. Let's be let's yeah. be honest. And so come on in. So man, thank you for sharing. That's gonna encourage my heart because that's the kind of church I want to pastor. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. They're like, what's gonna be your biggest weakness? I'm like, oh, I'm gonna I'm going to cry with everyone who's hurting because I'm hurting. Yeah. They're like, all right, we can take that. <laughs> um, and so I get taken into this thing called the training program. Yeah. And that was, I mean, there was a lot of ways, a lot of instruments that God used um, in that season to to build up my view of him rightly. Uh, training program was a, a big piece of that. Another was being a part of a safe family. I mean, Staff loved the mess out of me. Just they're like, "Hey, Katie, how are you doing?" Again, too honest for my own good. You know, I had one hour of sleep because I was helping my brother in rehab. Yeah, but I'm super excited to be here to share Jesus with you, and that's the honest truth. And they're like, "Okay, yeah, all right." (laughs) Um, and then meet Logan the first day of the so internship. I mean, he was cute. Generous interpretation. He he is a handsome man. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like in this, we call it unicorn year because it is just sweet. You're just thriving, honestly. Yeah. And I'm running really, really fast. At this point, I have such a high capacity for ministry, for friendship, and for dealing with trauma because it was just being suppressed. And yeah. I remember I'd tell my story and people would be weeping. Yeah. And I'm like, it's okay. It's like a broken arm that yeah. it's healed. I'm fine. And then that was how I was living. I was living high capacity, seemingly thriving, enjoying life with Jesus until uh, it all kind of crumbled again in a really bad way. Essentially, what had happened was I had these pillars up that were guarding me from really processing my trauma. And they slowly got pulled away. Okay. In a short span of time. And so the first one was when I was introduced to the idea of a Mago Day mm-hmm. at the training program. And it was the beginning of ruining my life. I'd been a Christian for eight, nine years. I'd never heard of a Mago Day. And it's um, that you are made in the image of God. Yeah. And that you have worth just because you were made by God. That's right. And I just remember thinking, how dare they look at me in the face and tell me that I have worth. Yeah. I mean, I was just— Because that was the framework. The framework is the Lord, wink, wink, loves you, yeah. mm-hmm. but not everyone else. Yeah, no, I'm And the, I'm only, way, the only way your life makes sense is— Exactly. Yeah. It's a simple equation. And yeah. to take that out breaks the equation to where it no longer makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, how dare you say that to me? And just breaking down, weeping of like, what do I do with this? And so that was when— the cracks started to show. And then the next one being the presence of my dad. Um, biological dad. My biological dad. I saw him um, at our engagement party very briefly across the room. He had somehow 
gotten an invite. And then a few weeks later, it was a Sunday, I was working at church, and I see him walking up to the church through the window, um, which wasn't that bizarre. He showed up in my life randomly, like unexpected. Um, And I saw him through the window, and I just collapsed into my first panic attack, which was just all-consuming. Hmm. Um, my supervisor, Matt, got me to a safe place. And it was the the juxtaposition of that symbol of danger with my safe place Yeah. that I, I, I couldn't compute. Couldn't process it, yeah. Yeah. And then the third one was, um, was self-harm. And I think Logan can talk to that. Yeah. I was actually here interviewing for Connections Role. Okay. And driving, driving back down 35 and I'm talking with Katie on the phone and at this point had seen some of the fissures and the cracks start to form and figured we'd it'd kind of work itself out. We'd be fine. And as we're driving, a car wreck happens in front of me in the left lane on 35 and it's it was pretty bad. And so I yelled, there's a car wreck, got to go, hung up, got out of the car, let's go check on people. But it obviously is not easy to understand that when there's a lot of noise going on on speakerphone. Yeah. So Katie thought I was in the car accident. And so that uh, kind of pulled the third pillar uh, out from under Katie. And that was the first time she dealt with self-harm, like acting on self-harm and giving into that temptation. And so I, she drove, you drove her to my apartment and I just kind of realized we are out of our depth. Yeah this is not going to fix itself. And it was kind of that, oh, okay. I have no idea what we're supposed to do. Um, and, and it so felt like kinda... my my mechanisms for coping with the trauma were like pulled out. You no longer view yourself as worthless. You So that's not a safe place anymore. Yeah. You, this like man that you have interacted with your whole life is now suddenly – causing panic at the thought or sight of him. And then I I feel like I have no other way to cope until that car accident, perceived car accident, where I'm like, oh, no, 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 there is something I can do. I can hurt myself. Mm. And that will will make it. But that was what I had seen modeled in my home. That's a way to deal with pain. And, yeah, I was like, oh, relief. I found something. Found a coping mechanism. That'll help. And for me, that was a relief. And for Logan, that was terrifying. Yeah. From there, uh, we very quickly got uh, taken into what we call mental health camp. Okay. It's like summer camp, but better. And by better, we mean worse. You're locked inside of that <laughs> room. Okay. So yeah. that's what happened. You you spiraled to the point where now you were. Did they just take you here in town? And Yeah, so okay. somewhere local um, where, I mean, at that point, I had someone around me 24-7. Yeah. And are you guys engaged at this point or are you just yep. date? Okay, yeah, you're we got engaged, engaged this is early the, May. Yeah. The car accident was late May. Okay. So we're about three weeks into engagement. Okay. But yeah, so we were in. We were at the clinic. Um, my friends were taking turns driving me there because at this point, so it's good to say, I completely shut down. Um, there was a lot of times I wasn't able to speak anymore. I wasn't able to emote, express feelings. There was just numbness. Yeah. And so I know if you're listening to this, like what she just said might not just like strike you, 
But but hopefully you've picked up on as we've been having the conversation, and maybe when I do another season, we could do video. Like you're you're so fun and bright, and especially back then. I mean, we don't yeah. see each other as much now since you guys are at Northway. But I mean, just walk into a room and brighten it up. Yeah. And and so the juxtaposition of how I experienced you back then in this moment, I I mean, I would guess would be terrifying for everyone. You and everyone else who knew you. Yeah. I mean, you would change the the scope of a room walking in with just kind of your kind of playful brightness. And so it is hard for me to even get my mind around um, you being shut down, but that that's where we are. It was deadpan. You could talk to me and I would just look at you. And in the worst part of that is inside of my body, I was screaming, yeah. just looking at you with blank eyes and inside just screaming for help because it was like, all of those years of being afraid and not expressing it had bubbled up and I could no longer push it down and it needed to come out. And I was so convinced that if I let even a single drop out, I would explode. And I I couldn't, until this week, I couldn't articulate that to Logan as he would look at me and be begging me with tears to say something and I would just plead with my eyes like for your good I cannot yeah. open this up because I don't know what's going to come or maybe out. even for your good yes. maybe in protecting yourself in them well certainly protecting yourself yes and then so now is this inpatient is it outpatient partial hospitalization so I'm okay. there for like 10 hours a day I'm meeting with therapists <laughs> And so I, I was there, and then a friend would take me home, and then they would take turns um, waiting by my bedside until I fell asleep, and then the next shift would start. And how long did this last? It was eight, nine, ten weeks. Yeah, I mean, the, all of our engagement, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, until honeymoon. So you're, but let's talk about this. Like, here's your fiance. Yeah. And when you meet her, she's bright eyed, queen of the world. Oh, yeah. And then, like, you get it three weeks after engagement is yeah. when this hits. Yeah. And and so, how are you, how are you processing this with the Lord and with her? And I mean, this, this mm. has to be a decision you're going to make of, do, I mean, we're talking about the rest of my life here. I don't know if yeah. she's coming out the other side. I don't yeah. know. To talk a little bit about that season for you. I mean, we've heard, yeah. we've got Katie up till this point. So so now, like, what's happening in this moment where this girl you love, I mean, you love her. I'm, I want yep. to marry her. I'm all yep. in on this. But then three weeks later, she can't speak, and mm. you're trying to snap her out of it, and you don't know if she will snap out of it. Or yeah. So talk a little bit about kind of where you were in all of this with the Lord and what your yeah. prayers and wrestle looked like in this moment. Yeah, it was very unexpected. I'm I'm the youngest sibling and so I kind of operate in watching people sure go ahead, yeah, take notes and then improve upon for my own life. Very helpful as a youngest sibling to be able to do that. And so my siblings had been engaged and they're happily married just like we are, but um I saw how engagement was and and so I was like, okay, we're going to get married. It's going to be great. And then yeah, the car accident, self-harm, and I just had no category for what was happening. No, a lot of the stories that Katie told me about sounded like a movie. It just, the amount of trauma, pain, abuse, wild, wild west, no rules stuff that went down in her life. I was like, 
that happened to you, all of that. But I did remember something, I was thinking about this the other day. We were on her porch, just dropping her off after a date. And she said, this is before everything blew up. I've got a lot of stuff, families a lot, and you can leave and I won't blame you. And I, in that moment, like knew my response would probably determine if we were going to get married. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, not going anywhere. And the Lord just sustained me. I was confused, scared, bewildered, but like held by the Lord. Um, so I'm just like, it felt like I was organizing a crowd surfing campaign to like, someone has to have a hand on supporting Katie at all times. Um, and so I think I developed some pretty high anxiety just around if we're somewhere in public, is something going to cause a spiral? Is something going to deeply like bring out a wound? Cause it was as if I imagined Katie to be a shaken up can of soda and there was no way that we could find to like just slight, slightly let out the CO2. Um, it just felt like it would explode. So I was just trying any way to just lightly lift the, like the thing and the, a let a little bit of CO2 out and take winds where we could. But I think additionally, in, when it comes to my relationship with the Lord, I think I had maybe not rightly understood teachings that I had heard on suffering that suffering equals intimacy with God. That if you're in the valley, it's going to be at least sweet. So you might have cancer, but like your quiet time is going to be awesome. <laughs> and it was, it was a dark night of the soul where he held me, but I couldn't feel him. Yeah. No tangible presence. Felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling. Felt like my prayers didn't matter. Like everything I'm throwing out, all these prayers, and it's just like nothing seems to be helping yeah. my fiance at that point. And then after even into our first year of marriage, my wife. So that's kind of high level how I experienced it. Okay. So we in and out during engagement, and then you go ahead and get married and then head out on the honeymoon and then... So, so talk about, I mean, there was some foreshadowing there by Logan, but talk about that, that first year of marriage. and Yeah, we call it the, the year of slain dragons. So we, okay. I mean, we didn't have any fights. Yeah, we Our were. first year of marriage, we were so busy trying to keep me afloat okay. and slaying these dragons that there was no time to, yeah. to bicker or be annoyed. And so that part was Yeah, marriage sweet. was actually super sweet. Okay. Like we, th like we thrived. Yeah. Everything else, fire, okay. on fire. <laughs> okay, so it's, again, you're, the, the process is like we, we have these moments of kind of breakthrough and then down and to the left. Exactly. Yep. Not up and to the right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, the Lord, like, gives me this sweet gift of engagement with Logan, a forever safe relationship, and then, bam, the dam breaks, and here comes all the trauma. And so in that first year of marriage, it was the goal— every day was to make it to bedtime. Okay. And so... Because if you could just sleep. If I could just sleep, I just wanted sleep. Things would stop. I yeah, just, you get a break. Um, and even then there was... Sure. <laughs> terror nightmares where I wake yeah. up screaming. It was, it so was, was miserable. That, tell, talk about what that looks like. Like, what does that mean to try to get through the whole day? I mean, was that 12, 14 hours? Is that... We didn't have kids, Therapy? so we could is that, a lot, which is... Uh, <laughs> naps? Is it yeah, a mixture it was, of all of it? So I just... I had decided in that season that I was going to shut off feeling because it was too much to experience the pain. I was either going to be numb or I was going to 
go insane okay. in expressing it. And so I was like, man, I'll just choose numbness. And so I was, it's the inside terror, the outside completely blank. And then going through my day and you don't know what it's, I was diagnosed with PTSD okay. at that um, mental health clinic. And what that looked like for me in that season was Logan could pick up at a restaurant an A1 bottle, A1 sauce. And it was immediately, I'm eight years old in my stepmom's kitchen and I'm in danger. And Logan can look at me in the eyes and say, Katie, you're 24 years old. You're here. Do you feel this carpet? Do you hear the fan? No. Like I am in that moment paralyzed and inside screaming again. Um, and so that was all day of what is, what's the next thing that's going to send me back and where am I going to have to go? Like, what am I going to have to experience again? So that was every day. So sweet Logan would, would go to work and have his phone on loud and hope that he could like get home to me yeah. in time to, um, for me to not choose self-harm and for me to have someone slowly bring me back, which I mean, took days and hours and, and weeks at times to get me out of certain places. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would, if I needed to, it was, I would take several naps. I mean, I couldn't work at the time. Yeah. Um, I was pretty much homebound. I was watching um, Netflix and I was listening to Harry Potter Audible and okay. that was all I could do to just, the, I mean, the goal was to live. To survive, yeah. Yeah. And so e even in this season where you're, like, what does your relationship with the Lord look like this year, Katie? I mean, is it, yeah. so is it in still, that, like, you arguing with him? You talking to him at all? Is this a... There was, there's two parts of it. One, I said that I had to shut off emotion and, and I couldn't pick and choose what emotion I shut off. Yeah. If I didn't want to feel the pain, I also couldn't feel That's joy. Right. And so... I did not think that God was worth the, experiencing that pain. Yeah. Intimacy with him, time with him, no. I was not going to choose that if that meant I was going to feel yeah. the pain. And so it was, I know you're there. I know I know I love you. I know you love me. And I can't even look at you right now. You got to put that. You So you basically put that relationship on pause. Yeah. I had to like put it in a box. Okay. And Because when I did look at him, I mean... I'm coming out of the training program. Yeah. I have all of this beautiful, yeah. right theology of God. And however word, like whatever words you want to choose, God is sovereign over your suffering. God has ordained, purposed, allowed. None of those words Work. worked. Every single one just pissed me off yeah. because he is somehow over this. And I, even now, like I look at, I think of three-year-old Katie. Yeah. I'm like, no, there, there no. is no, there is no math equation yeah. that is going to make that okay. Yeah. Um, and so there was, there was anger and then there was sort of, I have to be indifferent to you. Okay. This is how I have to live. Okay. All right. Which for sweet Logan, again, he's been hoodwinked. <laughs> yeah. He's like, <laughs> it proposed to this sweet, godly, Just fiery woman. Just on fire woman. for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then Logan at night would get next to my bedside. I'm like numb. I'm flat out. I can't speak. He's like, 
and we're going to read Psalm 16. And I was like, dear God, not <laughs> another Psalm. I cannot. Bit of a curveball. I didn't expect that response. Mm-mm. Maybe if you'd have tried Ezekiel or something like that. Oh, uh, Job. Maybe a minor prophet. I don't know. Something might have. Malachi. Psalms are too predictable. They are. They are. Well, depending on which page you're on. It could be up. It could be down. Maybe that was the perfect book. Maybe. Who knows? The perfect book. Maybe I was season. really wise, Katie. Maybe. <laughs> There's a slight yeah. chance. Um, okay. So let's let's move. So you're first year's this way, yeah. but then you, you get a reprieve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it lifts. Yeah. Let's talk I, about that I season. get a break. My daughter is born. Uh-huh. The... I mean, the eve of the pandemic, and yeah. it lifts, and I get to laugh and wake up and want to be there and go to bed wanting to wake up the next day. Like, these are, this was a big shift. Yeah, big This deal. was a very big shift, um, and I got to enjoy that for a year. COVID was a really good year for us. And I and we were talking about this. I don't even necessarily think it was because it was COVID. Everything was shut down. It was God was just like, here's your year. Here's like a little brief. I get to enjoy the Lord again. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. I mean, it was like we picked up right where we left off. I mean, how good is the, again, for, for all that we've already talked about, like how good is the Lord that you need to put it on pause? And he's like, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm here, but okay. And then the second that lifts, he's like, let's go. Come yeah. On. Get yeah. up in this. Let's get up play. in my lap. Yeah, that's right. Let's go play. Outrageous. That. Yeah, it's outrageous. Outrageous is a great word. It's a so great word for we, it. We, we, I mean, we enjoyed. It. And something that again, our friend on staff Matt would say is like, don't analyze the joy. Like, don't sit there and try to figure it out where it came from and when it's going to go. Just ride the wave. That's good advice. And so that's what we did. We rode that wave um, until. We couldn't anymore. And, and But in the season, are you like, okay, we made it through the other side, it's done? Or were you like oh, waiting for the other shoe? we knew we hadn't processed it. Yeah. I think we were like, I don't know. I think my mind, I was like, I think I was hopeful that it was done. Yeah. I was like, I think we've had enough. Because everyone that I met with on staff at the church when we'd process what, what was going on, they'd be like, man, I love you, brother. You've You've been through more in this like year or two than we have in our 10-year marriage or whatever. So I'm like, to use Katie's language, I think we've hit our quota. I think we're good. Like, this can be a story for later. And so, um, anyway, we were functioning, and it was a really fun year. Um, In the first year of marriage, it was, I mean, we tried every different type of therapy offered to us. We did biblical counseling, Christian counseling. We did secular EMDR. We did all the medication, no medication, everything in between. And we could not like plumb the depths of yeah. of what I had walked through. And so we had sort of just like hit a pause when I was pregnant of like, we're yeah. just going to have to look yeah. at this okay. at another time. And that didn't ease up the the PTSD. It was when literally when our daughter was born, God was like, here you go. Okay. And that last a full year? Till the next May. Yeah, till the next May. Okay, so a little over a year. Yeah. And then is that when you you have your son? Uh, nope. So we have our daughter. She's a little over a year, and then Logan is, uh, I think, at this point, the youth minister. So many different jobs. He, he I'm just trying to find something I'm good so at. So many different. I'm really jobs. sympathetic to that problem. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, so Logan is the youth pastor, and he is like getting ready for camp, and. I fall apart all over again. The thought of him leaving and 
I'm sure there were other triggers as well, but it just was a full spiral into a desire for self-harm and then also a desire for death. Okay. Um, and it was the way that I comforted myself. And that was the new, that was the new thing in this yes. wave was not just self-harm, but I would really like to die. Yeah. And it, the language was really specific too, um, because I would have, I would have a fearful thought. What if my daughter fell down these stairs? What if my bio dad came back into my life? And I would hear, that's okay. You would kill yourself. And I, oh, you're right. And the thought would go away. Okay. Oh, thanks. That was all I needed. Keep going. Keep walking. Yeah. And so it was this, there was this comfort that became the distance in between those thoughts became shorter and shorter and shorter until it was back to, I need someone with me at all times watching me and my daughter. And so I think Logan was able to go to camp. We, again, we crowd surfed yeah. and okay. got, yeah. um, yeah, our supervisor said, let Katie spend as much money as she wants while you're gone. Okay. Let her eat what she wants. Let her craft and go shopping. We're just going to survive this. Okay. And we did. Um, but again, we, we tried to pick up where we left off with the different types of counseling and was passed around and given different diagnoses. And yeah, it was unsustainable again in a different way now that you are like a full-time caregiver. Yeah for a kiddo and so and they, some one of our counselors had also noticed the language had changed in my head of I want to hurt myself to you need to kill yourself and it was the you I difference yeah. and we didn't really know what to do with that they directed us to this prayer organization here in Flower Mound yeah right across the street to meet with them and spend a few hours in prayer. And we just, I mean, we had no idea what to expect. Um, we tried everything. Sure, yeah. we'll try this. Yeah. Um, and so we show up having no theological categories for what we're about to experience. But it was a very calm environment. It was in someone's home, um, in a front room. There was two people, one who was going to be praying out loud with us, walking through what to confess, what to ask, what to cry out, and someone there to quietly pray on our behalf. Yeah, just intercede for us the whole yeah. time we were there. Um, and through that time, God met with us in a really profound way. Um, primarily, it was, it was this like healing that God was doing during that time of really merging together the my broken worldview of I'm worthless and that's why my story is the way that it is with I have worth because God made me. And he just fused those two together miraculously in that time. And this, I got to experience the presence of God and like his nearness and his comfort over my trauma that had never happened before. And then near the end of that time, I mean, we're weeping. This is like a really sweet yeah. moment. And Hour I 45 in yeah. at this point. <laughs> They're like, okay, context. and um, let's like talk about this like voice that's telling you you need to die. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's like my comfort. That's how I comfort myself. They're like, yeah, let's let's dig into that. And so we do. And as we're doing that, it becomes really apparent that there is demonic activity going on around me, in me. I mean, we still don't. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, influencing you. There is, sure. yeah, there is demonic activity going on, and so we, we press into it. And Logan's like, um, I can feel him next to me, being like, "What are we? Wild? What are we doing?" And again, I mean, Logan's like, "If if Jesus can be glorified and my wife can be healed." We're going to stick through it. And so we walked through that time. And I mean, I was freed from, from that demonic activity. Like now did you, again, we haven't gotten into this level. Like, did you full on manifest in that room or? No, it was much more calm than that. The whole time it was at this kind of level of volume and and conversation. And it was like, Hey, because there are principalities and powers. I don't think they're going to respond to volume. Yeah. (laughs) If, and that's if what they that's told us the authority that time. you need, yeah. volume, you probably don't have any authority. Like, I don't yeah. think you could yell a demon out. So, yeah. so it was very calm. It was like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna address this demonic presence, and my body would clench up um, in like fear, in, yeah. in like I would not be able to speak. Okay, and they'd be like, oh no, I'm so sorry, you're not allowed to do that. Like speaking to the demonic presence, like this Those sweet little lady. Were yeah. just like. Just casting these things back in such calm, like you're not going to hurt her. Stop. They are they, the people they're referencing are beautiful long term members of the village, and this is a vibrant kind of ministry they have, really outside of the village, but inside the village, and yeah. uh, they're just some of the most theologically informed, Bible loving, yeah. calm, unassuming. Yeah, they're not weird. Spiritual. They're just well, good at weird I wouldn't things. go that far. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the way to say it. They're not weird. They're just good at weird things. We'll literally text them that after <laughs> after we're done here. So, um, so that's wild. And if you're if you're getting tripped up here and you're listening to this story and you're like, well, theologically, I don't think. I think it's important to note that um, really we're not talking about possession here. I don't even know that that's the biblical idea or concept. It's more like being demonized or being influenced. So think more like tick on a dog. Than, than maybe like possession. I think that's a, it's bad nomenclature. It's not, it's not helpful. Um, but, but certainly the demonic powers and they, they're not, they didn't all just vanish after the cannon was closed. You know, they're yeah. they're active and out to destroy. And there are things that we can do that um, that invite them in. There are things that can be done to us that invite them in. And so, th- this is, yeah. So they calmly just <laughs> like no no yeah. No, you, you can talk because you're not allowed to do that, demon. Okay, now what, what are yeah. you feeling? So Exactly. Okay, and so that, this is like, this is a big breakthrough moment again. This is another one of those moments, maybe yeah. maybe bigger than any of the ones before, maybe except salvation. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. So we, we walk sure. out, we go to Mikasina, and we're like, what? What just happened? Do, is, huh. And when we, I remember talking to counselors afterwards, and they're like, I mean— there was so much skepticism. Like, yeah, I mean, oh, I believe just, it. Let's see how that plays out. Is okay, I'll stick? see you next week. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, like I continued in counseling. I stayed on my medication, and it has been coming up on two years of no desire or thought of self harm or Come suicide. On. See, praise God. Like that. That doesn't just. My brain is, as I've been told, wired in a in the wrong way because of the abuse that I suffered as a child. Mm-hmm. I should not have had desire for to hurt myself and to kill myself and then the next day not. That's not the trajectory that my brain had. Yeah. And God stepped in and changed it in that moment. Yeah. And like that is I mean, I can't think of No, I mean, I mean it's what? unreal, right? That was I mean, it was miraculous. Um Yeah. The Lord flexed. Yeah. Didn't he? So, and I I 
I've gotten to enjoy him since then. And we'll, I mean, we'll talk about all the mess that we still walk through, but sure. it's not that mess. And yeah. I'm yeah. The Lord pulled us out of that pretty profoundly. I love it. And, but then, I mean, you're already alluding to it, but it's not like the PTSD. It's no. not like the, so we get, we get freed from this kind of demonic influence that's, you should hurt yourself. No, you should kill yourself. Yeah. And, and now we're freed of that. We're, we're kind of, we swung up out of the kind of depression and darkness, but, but then, I mean, we're, the, the PTSD doesn't go away. So, yeah. so it's right. still, it, it's still common to maybe see something that sends you spiraling, but is it, say a little bit more about that. And then I would love to hear, cause I don't know, I mean, we haven't talked yeah. about this, the difference between maybe spiraling now versus spiraling before. Yeah. 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 So um, the desire for self-harm and suicide was taken and the PTSD was left. And my bad days now do not compare to the bad days okay. that I used to have. And so Logan calls it like a yo-yo going up the stairs. It's Just the trajectory. John Piper, but yes. Man, now I'm you just, tell like, me. I told you at the beginning and I didn't want people to think that's me. It's fun. I think you have to give credit the first time. And then the second okay. time you could say, I heard a guy say once. And, and then, then the, the third time, worse. the We're third time it's yours. Somebody. Anyway. The third time it's, the, so if that was the third time, then it was yours. Great. But sorry. <laughs> yes. Please say it again. Yo, you're up the stairs. The trajectory is up. Yeah. Uh, finally up to the right. Yeah. Um, but there's these little ups and downs. And so over the last two years, my ability to cope with the trauma has improved every time to whereas. Um, if I, I mean, last week I learned that my, my dad was, bio dad. bio dad was in close proximity to me and, which we haven't seen him in five years. Okay. So if I had learned that three years ago, not a, not a good month. Yeah. Bad. I mean, that was, that was part of the, the suicide ideation, but, um, a bad day now, like when I found out, um, last week he was in close proximity to me was, okay, I need Logan to come home an hour early from work, and we got to go play cornhole and talk about it. Okay. And I'm going to be I'm gonna be low this next week. There's okay. going to be some sadness. Okay. That that, I didn't have a safe dad. Yeah. And then I'm going to invite people in, and the Lord will slowly okay. pull me out of it. Yeah. It's, it really is, like I've, I've learned it, just like mourning is such a key peace. Yeah. Like to not, I think it's called spiritual bypass, right? Where you like have a theology of, you know, I mean, they did the best they could. I forgive them. But um, you, you're really like trying to bypass something that really stops you from healing. But to to lament, to mourn, I mean, it's like what you've described is awful. Yeah. Like and if you ever see, um, yeah, I mean, you ever see a little three-year-old girl and then try to get your mind around what you've shared being in that little three, it'll, I mean, it'll crush you. Yeah. And and there's no way to spiritually bypass that, like kind of baptize it in the Holy Ghost or, you know, yeah. over-theologize it or it's no quick fix, no. And so, man, I, I think what you're sharing is super helpful that it, but but the Lord doesn't abandon us. He he begins to heal and he he stays with us through the whole thing. And yeah. so, um Talk about here's here's what I'd love, um, really, for both of you to do. Um, I, I always, when I'm getting ready for this, I try to you know use my hopefully redeemed imagination to imagine like 
somebody's listening to this right now that that's on this continuum that we've been talking about, however long we've been talking. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing we've been talking for a while. Um, so they are, they are in the fetal position, hadn't gotten out of bed in two days, and a friend said, hey, listen to this. Or they are, man, they are bright-eyed. They light up a room. They want the mic, and inside they are on fire in the worst possible way. Or they're, I mean, they're somewhere on this continuum that you found your your life plan in. Or look, and they're they're in a marriage right now, and they're like, man, this is yeah. Gosh, this is a lot. Like, what would you? And I know, man, that's such a broad spectrum that you're like, well, if they were here, I might say this. But, but if you could, let, let's let's start with you. If there, yeah. Katie, if there was a, if there was something you say, hey, I would just want you to think about this or consider this or hear this. How, how would you pastor a man or a woman who's in this and the trump, the pillars have started to fall. They they aren't able to pretend anymore, and mm. and not not like share their story and the tragedy of their story while still holding themselves together. They're finding, they're, they're starting to redline. They're starting to feel thin. Some of the pillars are starting to come down. How, how would you, how would you encourage them uh, in regards to the way forward? Yeah. Uh, the first thing would be that I, I love to sit with friends who are in the mess of it because I feel like I can sit with them and say, hey, I look at your life, I look at your suffering, and I don't see how this fits with God's goodness and his sovereignty. Because I, I look at my own story and I think of I think of me as a little kid that there's it doesn't make sense. Yeah. God is good, God is in control, and yet that is horrific and I don't know how he can be good and in control when that happened. Yeah, you so you're letting the mystery minister to you. Yes. You're not trying to solve it. No, like this is this does not make sense. I don't know that I will ever have a satisfactory answer or explanation for it because again, we can theo- like get all of the theology in order yeah. and I will not be satisfied. Yeah. And in that I am so convinced that God is worthy of every ounce of my life. And I am so in love with him. And I don't know why he let me be abused. And so an encouragement to someone sitting in a similar situation, or maybe not even similar, any amount of suffering, you don't have to have an answer to enjoy a life that's really vibrant with God. Yeah. You can never get that answer. You can never get that healing. My brain could forever be wired to where any amount of things could trigger me and I will I will be stuck in that. If the Lord never heals my brain of that, God is still good and worthy of my life. And that's like so painful to say, to look someone in the eyes who's sitting in that, to say it to them. But I just... I mean, that's sort of my sustaining hope right now is that I don't have to wait for that answer. Yeah. God is good. And it's, Amen. yeah, I pray that for the person listening, yeah. that like God would convince you that he's good because without that hope, you're just going to, you're not going to make it. So let's do that. Let's just stop right now. Why don't you, Kate, why don't you just pray yeah, for whoever's listening to this thing and yeah. ask for that for them? Yeah. God, first of all, you are, you are doing miracles today mm. because, uh, Katie Thompson was sent many podcasts and I didn't listen to a single one. Hmm. I couldn't. 
And yet there is someone listening right now um, who is struggling to get through this. And yet they, they are in desperate need of breakthrough. And I just ask God that you would miraculously convince them right yeah. now that you are good that you are in control, that you are holding them, and that you always have, that does not make sense to me. And it may not make sense to, to whoever's listening, but I ask that you would just convince them that they would have that rock, that, that it would be a warm blanket to them, that they could love and enjoy you and never know why you allowed it to happen. Yeah. Would you do that miraculous thing mm-hmm. for their good? Amen. 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 Logan, anything you would add there where you're just like, if you're you're in the middle of this, yeah. m- maybe from your perspective, I mean, you, you've you seen as as husband, as fiance, as e- either for the one who's trying to love the person in this or even something you've learned that you would just want to say for the person that's actually in it. Yeah. I think I would probably speak to the person who's a loved one of someone in the pit. I think it's really good that you get help too. Okay. I think you need to go to counseling probably. <laughs> I think you need to, as much as you're advocating for your wife or your husband or your parents or your friend to get help, um, you don't have to feel guilty to ask for your own like prayer. Like it was a lot of the time I was like, this is what Katie needs. And I had a lot of good friends say, we can pray for you too. Yeah, And that was a game changer. And I think the second thing I would say in some of the hardest moments, I mean, just Katie speaks highly of me because she's gracious, but in, in a lot of the hard moments in our first year or so of marriage. Um, you're you're pouring yourself out to your wife, trying to engage her, to, to ground her, do these different things to get her out of the memories and back into your apartment. Um, and you just, and I would just get frustrated. I was like, I am, I am, I think I'm giving above and beyond in this moment. Like in my flesh, that's what I was convinced. And I remember these moments where Katie would, we would just be kind of standing there next to each other in silence and I would be holding back some biting comment just on the tip of my tongue. And I was like, spirit, would you just help me? I don't have a fancy prayer, just help. And even in that stalling moment, I like not an exaggeration, five to seven times, just that stalling moment of prayer Katie would turn around, break down, cry into my chest and say like, thank you for being gracious. And it, and it would it would move the needle enough for us to get through the night. It would move the needle enough, enough for us to like be, not be afraid of me going to work tomorrow. Yeah. And so it, like your most meager prayers, like just keep throwing them. I love that. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode of The Overcomers. If I could kind of wrap it up, I want to just encourage you Um, move towards communities of grace, move towards uh, a loving, gracious king um, who even if you have to put it on pause for a second because the world's so on fire that you're not sure that you can feel that or handle that, that this is a gracious king that allows you to hit the pause button and then will run right back to you. And he's not going to leave just because you press the pause button. He's going to stay there and continue. Outrageous. It's outrageous. That's our word. It's, yeah, he is going to honor you saying that you can't but still stay right there with you in a way that didn't sound especially in this story in particular didn't feel like she was bothered by or hounded by he just sat with her and uh and that that's the kind of god we serve and so 
it is, I'm just going to keep saying, it is a long journey home. And we've got to just keep getting up. Like like in each of these episodes, I'm gonna, you just got to keep getting up. And, and, and some days it's hard to get up at all. Sometimes it, it's just lift up your eyes uh, and you'll find him there. And so thanks for tuning in. I love you. I pray the Holy Spirit's ministered to you as you've listened to this episode of The Overcomers. God bless you. Hey guys, Pastor Matt, hope that you enjoyed this episode of The Overcomers. You find your heart more encouraged in the Lord, uh, more dedicated to His kingdom. Uh, Just want to remind you, if you found this helpful in in this season of life, this is what I want to do. I want to encourage your heart. I want to lift up your eyes and and let you behold the beauty of Jesus. Uh, And so on top of The Overcomers podcast, uh, also started a website, just pastormattchandler.com. And on my website, there's all sorts of resources, but but you can also um, sign up for a monthly newsletter where I'm just trying to ring from the scriptures um, encouragement for your souls. And so you, there are two different newsletters. There's one for um, just everyday Christians seeking to be faithful where they are. And then there's a there, there's another newsletter uh, for pastors and church leaders. Uh, and so sign up for either one of those or both of those. Uh, but man, look forward to staying in contact with you. God bless you.